Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Do you think that I count the days? There's only one day left, always starting over. It's given to us at dawn and taken away from us at dusk. Bonjour, madame et monsieur. Hey, everyone. For thousands of years, humans believed that God created us. Therefore, we didn't need to worry about the meaning of life. God has given us a simple purpose in life. Be good so we end up in heaven. But God has also thrown a spanner in the works by giving us free will to make choices, good or bad, which determines our destination in heaven or hell. It's a neat little story that makes life so much easier, at least psychologically, because it takes away the responsibility of us having our own purpose or meaning. Then came the scientific revolution in Europe that questioned this religious version of the human story as too simplistic and some of the religious understanding of the world just outright wrong. For example, Copernicus, Galileo, Newton, and then Darwin put forward scientific theories that challenged the religious version of our existence. So philosophers looked to science to explain existence. But science is simply a tool for survival, making life easier and more comfortable through technology and medicine. Therefore, it has no answer for the meaning of life. In the 17th and 18th centuries, humanism replaced God with rational humans as the master of the earth and put progress as life's ultimate purpose. But wars and devastating violence in the 19th century, the Napoleonic Wars, and then two world wars in the 20th century showed us that rationality and progress are a little too wishful thinking. We are just as violent and savage as ancient times. Only our tools and weapons have gotten better, but our psychology is still quite primitive and savage. Then came Jean-Paul Sartre, who offered a new answer to the meaning of life. He said there is no God. But the godless world is not a bad thing. It is in fact a great opportunity for us to create meaning for ourselves. Since we have no divine essence inside us from birth, it allows us to make one ourselves. Sartre replaced religion essentialism with existentialism. 
In other words, we have no essence prior to our existence. Therefore, it's our responsibility to make our own essence. At birth, we are a blank slate and it's our job to draw a nice little picture or a story on that slate. So to put it somewhat crudely, religion is like a package holiday. Most things are planned, while existentialism is more like backpacking. You make up as you go along. So today I'll talk about Jean-Paul Sartre's life, books, philosophical ideas, and finally some philosophical secrets we can learn from him. So get yourself an empty cup of coffee and let's talk about nothingness, emptiness, and existentialism. This is probably the most comprehensive video on Sartre. By the end of this video, you will know about Sartre as if he was your uncle. Life Jean-Paul Sartre was born in 1905 into a Parisian bourgeois family. Two years later, his father died and his mother married another man. As a young boy, he was small and suffered from a terrible condition as a result, he was bullied. Due to his family's wealth, he was educated at some prestigious schools where he was exposed to philosophy and psychology, as well as some influential figures of French intellectual life later on. One of his earliest influences was Henri Bergson, whose philosophy of vitalism emphasized human intuition as a guiding tool in our understanding of reality. Bergson's philosophy of time also influenced Marcel Proust, particularly his masterpiece In Search of Lost Time, which is my favorite novel of all time. While Proust enjoyed the established high society of Paris, Sartre flourished in a new, somewhat anti-establishment intellectual Prussian scene. As a somewhat small and ugly young man, he felt more comfortable going against the establishment, so he organized public events that questioned the status quo including pranks that attracted thousands of people and caused scandals. Sartre felt alienated due to his looks, so his philosophy of existentialism in which everything starts from zero was a paradigm shift he needed to feel at home. Good-looking people rarely go against the conventional establishment. Sartre, as a short man, only 153 cm or 5 feet, wanted to change reality. In 1929, he met the feminist philosopher Simone de Beauvoir, with whom he had a lifelong open relationship. Sartre exercised his freedom by sleeping around more often than de Beauvoir. While working as a school teacher, Sartre read Louis Ferdinand Céline's brilliant masterpiece Journey to the End of the Night, an anti-war, anti-establishment and deeply pessimistic yet profoundly beautiful novel which I have discussed here. A year later, in 1933, he went to Germany to study under Edmund Husserl, the father of German phenomenology. Around this time, he also read Hegel's masterpiece, The Phenomenology of Spirit, which puts history as the most important factor in shaping who we are. In other words, we are the product of history and the period we live in. Hegel believed in a progressive history, meaning we are heading towards a kind of utopian perfectionist world which Marx turned into a communist state. For Hegel, figures such as Napoleon were able to symbolize the spirit of the age, so to speak. Coincidentally, while Sartre was in Germany, another big dude came to power. In 1933, Hitler's Nazi party won the German election. From a Hegelian perspective, Hitler was able to capture the imaginations of the Germans or the spirit of the age in Germany of 1930s. Sartre, however, saw Hegel's history-based philosophy as a good starting point to develop his own existentialist philosophy. 
in which instead of focusing on society's history shaping our identity, he focused on our own individual history that allows us to make ourselves who we want to be. In other words, Sartre combined Hegelian social history with Kierkegaard's individualistic freedom to develop an individualized existentialist philosophy. It's not only society shaping us, but our own individual life giving us the opportunity to make choices and shape our own identity and essence as who we are. But more on his philosophy later. In 1938, he published his most famous philosophical novel, Nausea, in which his protagonist feels nauseated due to his life being empty and meaningless on the inside, as though he is an object without consciousness. Sartre was influenced by Dostoevsky's Notes from Underground, in which the unnamed protagonist decides to retreat from society altogether in an underground room like a wounded animal while refusing to get help. In Kafka's Metamorphosis too, the protagonist turns into an insect and unable to provide for his family, which ultimately decides his fate. In Sartre's novel, the protagonist realizes his own empty life and goes through an internal metamorphosis and comes out transformed into an existentialist hero. The timing of his novel is quite apt, as a year later Hitler embarked on his own world conquest with terrible consequences. The individual German soldiers or generals ignored the responsibility of questioning the authority and blindly followed order. While Hegel might have looked at the force of history, Sartre put the blame squarely on the individual. In 1939, with the outbreak of World War I, Sartre was drafted into the French army. But a year later, he was captured by the Germans. Ironically, in Selin's novel, the protagonist voluntarily tries to get captured by the Germans, so who knows, it might have inspired Sartre to hand himself over to the Germans, knowing that the French had little chance against them. Joking aside, he used his prison time to read and write. In Selin's novel, the protagonist talks about prison being the safest place during a war, because as a prisoner, you are protected from the enemy. This prison time also allowed him to sit down and concentrate on an extremely difficult book by Martin Heidegger, Being and Time. Prison gives you both being and time. Heidegger based his philosophy on time as finite for the individual only limited between birth and death. Realizing that life is short makes us anticipate death, which forces us to live authentically. Later on, Sartre wrote his own philosophical masterpiece, Being in Nothingness, in direct response to Heidegger's philosophy. In 1941, due to his health, the Germans released him, mainly his eyesight was getting worse. He became a schoolteacher. With access to a lot of students and having plenty of time, he became politically active by founding a socialist group called Socialism and Liberty. In other words, he took the French Revolution of 1789 slogan of liberty, equality and fraternity and removed the fraternity because it had nationalistic connotation. But his group failed to attract support from other prominent French writers and intellectuals, partly due to how shockingly well the Germans occupiers were treating the French people, polite and respectful, and partly because the intellectuals didn't want to risk their own freedom. As a result, Sartre abandoned the group and instead focused on writing his masterpiece, Being in Nothingness, which was published in 1943, I'll discuss it later. 
During the German occupation, Sartre wrote articles lamenting how the French were pacified by the Germans, which were published in newspapers including Combat, a paper created by none other than the other French existentialist giant Albert Camus. The two philosophers were close friends in Paris throughout the 1940s. But later on, they had a fallout due to their political differences after Camus published his philosophical book The Rebel in 1951. Sartre was seeking a Maoist-style Marxist revolution taking power through force, especially in colonial Africa and Asia, while Camus preferred peaceful reforms as a method of political change. They also differed in how to treat French collaborators during the German occupation. Sartre wanted a swift death penalty while Camus wanted a less severe punishment. Again, violence versus reform. During the Cold War between the Socialist East and the Capitalist West, Sartre sided with the Russians. But on a more fundamental level, he sided with the poor South, fighting European colonialism, especially in Algeria. He traveled to Cuba and met the communist revolutionaries such as Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. He also traveled to the Soviet Union. Sartre was also aware that Europe was losing its dominance to the Americans to the West and the Russians to the East. So he proposed the United States of Europe, a kind of union among all Europeans. He saw that people in different parts of Europe were suffering from the same problems such as poverty, lack of housing or freedom. So it made sense to fight for a united Europe. Also, he realized that the working class in Europe had no appetite for a revolution, so he saw the opportunity of a socialist revolution only in the third world. Sartre was vehemently opposed to American political and cultural imperialism influencing everyone, including the French. Throughout the 1960s, Sartre was active in students' demonstrations in Paris and became a household name as the biggest social justice warrior of his age. In 1968, he was arrested for civil disobedience but pardoned by Charles de Gaulle, likening him to Voltaire, the father of individual freedom. In 1964, he was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature but he refused to receive it due to his political stance against the capitalist West. But also by taking the prize, he thought he was becoming part of the Nobel establishment, which would have limited him as an independent writer. In the same year, he criticized literature as a whole for being nothing but a pacifying tool. In the same way, George Orwell wrote his anti-art article saying that art only serves the interest of the ruling class. Sartre also attacked the artistic writing of Marcel Proust as a bourgeois fantasy that cushioned and shielded people from the harsh reality of life. As a serious Proust fan myself, Sartre does have a point and that Proust's writing is a form of withdrawing from society, while Sartre wanted to engage with society. In his 1945 novel, Trilogy, The Road to Freedom, Sartre criticizes Proust's escape from socio-political issue by taking refuge in art. And instead, Sartre engages in political and social life in order to change society by bringing more freedom. But I would still read more of Proust than Sartre because Proust reveals artistic beauty we're often unable to see in real life. Because politics can also blind us to see beauty sometimes. I guess I prefer solitary Proustian artistic life than the political Sartrean life. Not saying that Sartre couldn't see despite his eyesight, he saw things from a Marxist class point of view, while Proust sees things more intuitively, which is closer to nature. 
1971, he published the first part of a monumental biography of Gustave Flaubert, in which he psychoanalyzed the great French writer, arguing that his epileptic attack in 1843, when he was 22 years old, sealed his fate as a writer, forcing him to abandon his plan of becoming a lawyer. However, this detailed biography of Flaubert was never finished, as Sartre's own health deteriorated, becoming completely blind in 1973. He died in 1980, aged 74. Being hugely famous as a public intellectual, his funeral attracted 50,000 people clogging the streets of Paris. Also probably because the French like clogging the streets for protests, strikes or funerals. Any excuse not to go to work. I'm only joking of course. Sartre started as a philosopher of the individual, but later in life he worked very hard to reconcile his individualistic existentialist philosophy with the collective philosophy of Marxism, which interprets the world not through the lens of the individual, but through the lens of the group, i.e. class. This is in contrast to Camus, who started as a Marxist, but towards the end of his life moved slightly away from Marxism. Today, Sartre is primarily known for his existentialist philosophy, so in the next section I'll discuss his most famous novel, Nausea, before I discuss his philosophical masterpiece, Being in Nothingness. Later, I'll talk about his philosophy existentialism before I tell you 10 philosophical secrets we can learn from his life and work. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.